I hope you took my challenge last week. Challenged you to look for ways and to invite the Holy Spirit to work in your life this week, to start each morning with prayer as we live by the Holy Spirit, to say, okay, Holy Spirit, help me with these meetings today, help me with these situations today, to look for ways and ask God to work through the Holy Spirit in your life. I know for me it was, it was um, really important this week that I was doing that, especially this week through all kinds of curveballs and had all kinds of opportunities for some frustration at times and, and maybe to say some things that I shouldn't say, and, and, but with, with, with thinking through the Holy Spirit, inviting Him to be part of every moment of every day, man, it made such a difference. I know some of you have started telling stories. You've, you've told me some stories about ways the Holy Spirit worked this week. That's what we need to be telling is those kinds of stories, seeing Him work. And so for the next few weeks, we still want to look at the rest of the names of the Holy Spirit. And each of these names will help us see how He comes alongside, how He helps us, how He works in our lives. Our first name this morning is Helper. And that's probably, I would, I would argue, one of the primary overarching names of the Holy Spirit after the Holy Spirit and the Spirit of God, the Helper would be next. And, and, and helping is one of those interesting things. Sometimes, for us as human beings, sometimes we aren't really helping when we think we're helping, right? You know, little kids, you, you bring them along and they're helping with something and, and we know that it's going to take two or three times as long, right? Because, and we may have to redo everything they do, but that's okay because that's discipling, that's helping them out. This week, um, I, I thought I was helping my family with something. And um, Susie and I talked and we thought, well, we'll, we'll help out our finances a little bit by, by getting a, a, a certain kind of Christmas tree that you just don't have to buy every year. And it's the same every year, and it, and it works, and you can put it up whenever you want, and so it can create great traditions. And, and after a while of saying things like that, my kids caught on. And they said, Dad, you're talking about an artificial Christmas tree. You're talking about a fake tree. A fake tree. And, and then tried to, you know, with kids, sometimes you just try to minimize it and sometimes it goes away, change the subject. Hey, you want candy? No. Uh, um, <laughs> that usually works, not this time. They're getting a little older and they're thinking through things and all of a sudden one says, this means we're not going together to pick out a tree. That's Christmas. That's part of Christmas. And soon a, another one said, well, we always have a tradition afterwards that we cut it up and make a cross out of the trunk and we can't do that with a fake tree. And, and what about tying it to the roof of the car and, and, and hitting the garage door like you've done a couple times? <laughs> we had no idea the traditions that we had made already in our family. By the end of this conversation, actually it wasn't just one conversation, this was the whole week, like every day another, another thing came up. By the end of the converse, these conversations, we've realized just how much we have ruined Christmas for our family, that at least my kids have told me that. I might as well be the Grinch, I, I, I thought I was helping and I have destroyed their Christmas. This is worse than the Red Cup. <laughs> Don't get me started on that. <laughs> it's just a cup. But... Um, <laughs> And something that we intended to do for good for our family, and, 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 and we've tried to word it in as good of ways as we can, the kids are just devastated. Yesterday, Susie looked at me and said, I know what's going to happen. She said, we're, we're going to go buy a live tree. I'm like, no, we're not. They'll be fine. She's like, no, no, you'll give in. 
I know you. We'll see. I'll keep you updated on that. I said, let's just set up the, the fake tree and see if they like it. We could spray it with smelly stuff. Tell them it's like, I don't know. No. Um, but we, we try to help and we do things like this. And sometimes we don't see all the consequences. We don't see the bigger picture. And sometimes what we think is helping really isn't. This morning, we want to talk about the helper who actually helps, who everything he does helps us in the perfect ways that we need help. In fact, he's helping us in ways we don't even realize we need help. And by shutting him out, we are shutting down the work of God Almighty through the Holy Spirit in our lives. He helps perfectly in every part of life. He helps perfectly in ways we can't understand. St. Basil wrote this about the Holy Spirit, and I think I put the quote on the screen. What does the Spirit do? His works are ineffable in majesty and innumerable in quantity. How can we even ponder what extends beyond the ages? What did He do before creation began? And, And how great are the graces He showered on creation? What power will He wield in the age to come? He existed, He pre-existed, He coexisted with the Father and the Son before the ages. Even if you can imagine anything beyond the ages, you will discover that the Spirit is even further beyond. What a great way to help us expand our our view of the Holy Spirit. Last week we talked about that He is real, that He is God. He contains, he, he, He has all of the attributes of God and He is working in our lives. And so many times He's the overlooked part of the Trinity. And, and I challenged you last week to look from Genesis to Revelation and see the Spirit in every verse. And as you've read your Bible this week, I bet you've just seen the Holy Spirit popping out in story after story after story as He is working. So this morning we want to look at four names of God that really all have to do with Him being the Helper. And the first of those is Helper. And turn with me to John chapter 14 and we'll look at some of the, the primary places where Jesus calls the Holy Spirit Helper. And use those verses for some very specific thing that the Helper helps us in. He helps us in a lot of different areas too. But let's look at what Jesus says are his, the primary ways He helps. John 14, we'll be looking at verse 16 and on from there. If you don't have a Bible, there should be a black one in the seat in front of you underneath. Um, you're welcome to take that and use that this morning. If you don't have one, take it home with you. It's our gift to you. We want you to have God's Word, um, His life-changing Word. So we come to John chapter 14 and we'll look at verses 16 through 18 here. The first place that Jesus talks about the Holy Spirit. And we read, and this is Jesus praying, And I will ask the Father and He will give you another helper to be with you forever. Even the Spirit of truth whom the world cannot receive because it neither sees Him nor knows Him. You know Him for He dwells with you and will be with you. I will not leave you as orphans. I will come to you. We read this verse last week, but this is the first place where Jesus is comforting the disciples and He says, there's another Helper coming. And if you look at that first verse, and I will ask the Father and He will give you another Helper, there's a couple of key words that we want to understand. Now, Helper there, in the ESV it's translated Helper. Some of you might have Comforter. Some of you might have Counselor. I, I think Advocate in some translations. And that's because the word here, parakletos, is a very broad word. It has a lot of different meanings that, that English doesn't quite handle. And so it's, it's a richer word than any of those together, but maybe all of those help us understand. It's a combination word, para, meaning to, to alongside, and kaleo, meaning to call. 
And so the idea is to call alongside someone for the, the purpose of helping, which is where we get the word helper from. This might have been used at times of a doctor and a patient. When the patient cries out in pain and the doctor comes and helps them, that, that's, he, he's being a helper, he's being a comforter, a counselor there. Sometimes it may be used of a, a mother to children. Our children call out for mommy at night. Um, and I go in and they say, no, I want mommy. There's something different and there's just something comforting about mommy. And so she comes in and she's being a help, helper, a parakaleo, someone that is coming alongside. You know, a coach, you, a lot of you watched college football yesterday, a big day of college football, and you see players come, come off the field and coaches sometimes will pull a player aside and instruct them, sometimes with loud voice, but um, if they've done something wrong, but they'll instruct them and they're coming alongside to help. And those give ideas, but those are just small ideas of what the broad work of the Holy Spirit is. He is coming alongside you and I by indwelling us to help us in every area that we need help, to aid us, to assist us. One author said that this can mean one who helps by consoling, encouraging, or mediating on behalf of, of stepping in and actually doing the work for that person. And so Jesus here is saying, I'm going to be leaving but I'm going to send you another helper. Did you catch that word another? Right before helper? This is where words, words are great. They, they have great meaning. Another there means someone of the same kind. And what's he saying about himself? He's the first helper. He's the first one with them. And so what he's saying, just as I've helped you, and remember the disciples were with Jesus 24-7 for three years. They have lived together. He has helped them through every situation. They've been on the lake where a storm comes up. They think they're drowning and he saves them. They've watched him heal. And he has been with them every step of the way. And Jesus said, I'm going to send you another helper just like me. Because the Holy Spirit is God. He's part of the Trinity, part of the Godhead. And so, just like Jesus was physically with them every moment of the day, the Holy Spirit is going to be with them. He's going to have the same nature, the same attributes. Just like Jesus, He will never let them down. He will be with them. So He says, and I will give you another helper to be with you forever. Aren't you glad it says that? If Jesus said, I'm going to send you another helper that's going to be with you every morning for an hour. No, that's a problem, right? We want a helper. We, we want God to be with us every moment of the day. And, and Jesus is stressing he's going to be with you always to the end of time, every moment of every day. He goes on, even the spirit of truth. And Pastor Andrew is going to talk about that name in a couple weeks. Whom the world cannot receive because it neither sees him nor knows him. You know him, for he dwells with you and will be with you, will be in you. I will not leave you as orphans. I will come to you. And so as we look at the ways that Jesus says the Holy Spirit helps, the first one there is he helps us by being with us, by living in us, by indwelling us. He is still dwelling with us. We are not alone. Now, just right up front, as we talk about the Holy Spirit, we need to say these promises are for those that believe, for those that have repented of their sins and given their life to Jesus Christ and said, I will follow you. At that moment, we know the Holy Spirit indwells us. 
This isn't just a promise for anyone that happens to have good thoughts or happens to walk in the doors of church. It is only for those that believe in Jesus Christ as their Lord and Savior. And so this morning, if you're here and you've never believed, I want you to listen to what the Holy Spirit does. And I want you to want that because of the work of Jesus Christ through the Holy Spirit and make a decision to follow Christ. So He helps us by living with us, by being with us. Look down just a little bit further and we'll we'll scan through some of these texts in the same chapter, chapter 14, verses 25 to 27. Chapter 14, verses 25 to 27. These things I have spoken to you while I am still with you. Again, Jesus talking to His disciples. But the Helper, the Holy Spirit, whom the Father will send in My name, He will teach you all things and bring to your remembrance all that I have said to you. Now sometimes we stop reading there. And the danger with Scripture is you stop and just grab one verse and we miss the riches of seeing the the whole passage. What does the next verse say? Peace I leave with you. My peace I give to you. Not as the world gives do I give to you. Let not your hearts be troubled, neither let them be afraid. The context there is the giving of the Holy Spirit. The Comforter, the Counselor. And so when He says, peace I leave with you, that's because the Holy Spirit is given. That's because we have God Almighty through the Holy Spirit living inside of us. So a couple things that we see here of how the Holy Spirit helps us. He helps us by teaching us in verse 26. He will teach us all things. Bring to your remembrance all that I have said to you. Now, those of you that are in college and in high school here, this doesn't mean you don't have to study for tests and you just pray right before the test and say, Holy Spirit, bring everything to mind. Woo-hoo! No, no, th- he's talking about spiritual things here. It says, I, I will bring to remembrance all that I have said to you. I have a picture. The disciples have been three years with Jesus. He's about to leave. Wouldn't you be at, at a little point of panic saying, I'm not going to remember everything he said? How am I going to do everything Jesus said? Usually he's, he's with me and I can say, okay, is that right, Jesus? Or okay, is this how we should think, Jesus? And we see that in Scripture as, as they say, oh, well, let's send the kids away. And he's like, no, no, no. And, and he's teaching. Well, it's that same work of the Holy Spirit that's going to continue to teach them spiritual truths, how to walk with God. I will teach, he will teach you all things and bring to your remembrance all that I have said to you. So the idea is that He's coming alongside, helping us grow in God, helping us understand Scripture, helping us deepen our faith. These are vital ways that He helps us. As as we think through the different ways that He helps us, we need to think through, do we need help in these things? Because that's sort of the implication of a helper, right? If, If He's sending us a helper, that implies there's someone to help and there's someone that needs help. And so as we look at these, we need to come and say, okay, Holy Spirit, how can you teach me? How can you bring to remembrance those things? And some of the ways we do this is every time we open God's Word, we should start with prayer. Every time we we open it up in our quiet times and our devotions, we should start with prayer and say, Holy Spirit, reveal your Word to me. Teach me your Word. That's His job. Sometimes, do you ever, do you ever come to Scripture and, and you, you read a, a, a paragraph, especially of some of Paul's writing, and you're like, I have no idea what I just read. That's tough. Well, and that's true, and that's why we have some aids and some helps to help us out, and we have to reread things. There are some very difficult passages in here. Even some of the disciples said that about some of the other disciples. 
But we come to the Holy Spirit and say, Holy Spirit, teach me. And so try that this week. Before you come to God's Word, come and ask for Him to teach. I also think about that when I'm in situations and I'm praying, Holy Spirit, bring to mind Your Word. Bring to mind the truths that I need in this situation. And I'm amazed. Have you ever been talking with someone and a verse pops in your head that is just perfect and you have no idea where that came from? I know where that came from. That came from the Holy Spirit working in your heart and in your mind. And we need to be asking Him to work in that way, conscious of that. He will teach you all things and bring to your remembrance all that I have said. But then verse 27 is part of this discussion. Peace I leave with you. My peace I give to you. Not as the world gives do I give to you. Let not your hearts be troubled, neither let them be afraid. He helps us by giving us peace is the next bullet point in your notes. And He gives us peace not because He takes us out of the world, not because this world's suddenly perfect, but because we have a helper walking every step of the way with us. This is why Jesus, when He's on the Sea of Galilee and the storm's coming up and the disciples are like, we're going to drown and Jesus is asleep and the implication is He's going to drown too. And, and, and He wakes up and says, what are you worried about? I am with you. That's the same help that we have now through the Holy Spirit. The Holy Spirit, sometimes we just are running around like chickens with our head cut off and, and we are, are worried and we are stressed in this life and we don't know how we're going to do everything and we don't know how we're going to get out of situations and we don't know how we're going to deal with some of the difficult situations and then we read, the, read or watch the news and that just makes it worse. And the Holy Spirit's saying, what are you worried about? I am with you. I am here to aid, assist, and help And so why don't you just sit and rest and let me handle it? Peace I leave with you. My peace I give to you. Anyone need a little peace in their lives right now? Yeah. Are we asking the Holy Spirit for that peace? Are we trusting Him? He is our comforter. He gives us peace. So He helps us by teaching us. He helps us by giving us peace. Flip over chap- the chapter to, to John fifteen twenty six and 27. And Jesus again talks about the Helper. And I, I can see Jesus, He loves His disciples. These are His closest friends. He is invested in them. And so He just keeps bringing up the Holy Spirit and revealing a little bit more of what the Holy Spirit's going to do. It, it's just awesome to see Him caring for the disciples in this way. Next chapter, John 15, verse 26. But when the Helper comes, so He brings it back up again, comforts them, But when the Helper comes, whom I will send to you from the Father, the Spirit of truth, who proceeds from the Father, He will bear witness about Me. And you also will bear witness because you have been with Me from the beginning. And again, these verses go together. And so He's he's saying here that the the Holy Spirit's going to, to remind you that this is all true. Even when I'm gone, He will remind you that I am the Son of God and I died for your sins and I rose again on the third day. He's going to remind you of it all. But then what does verse 27 say? And you also will bear witness because you have been with me from the beginning. And so the context here is I'll send you a helper. He's going to help you know that it's true and help you share with others the truth. This incredible message of the gospel. He helps us know the truth about Jesus. And share that with others. I don't know about you, but when I get in conversations 
and, and, and especially someone that doesn't believe, and I'm like, okay, I'm going to turn this to the gospel. We're going to share the gospel. For whatever reason, does your heart sort of skip a beat? It's like, I don't know. What if they reject me? What if they, what if they you know, don't talk to me again? This is the gospel. This is the greatest news they could ever have. What if they turn to Christ and end up in eternity with Him? Oh, no. Is it worth that risk? Yes, it's worth the risk. And what Jesus is saying, I will send you a helper and he'll help you bear witness. And so when we say, I'm not going to share the gospel because I'm worried about what people think, what we're saying is I'm going to shut out the Holy Spirit's help in this. I'm not going to care enough to share with them the thing that could help them spend eternity with Jesus Christ. Wow. Wow. Now, was this important for the disciples who are going to found the church, who are going to have to spread the news of Jesus? We think we have it hard sometimes with what people will think. Some of them were killed because they shared the gospel. Some of them were tortured because they shared the gospel. But the Holy Spirit was their helper and helped them share the gospel. We needed to be seeking that help. Jesus keeps talking about the helper. So let's look at the next chapter, John 16. Isn't this great? Jesus again talks about the helper and he gives us a couple more ways that the helper helps us. John 16, verse 7. Nevertheless, I tell you the truth. It's to your advantage that I go away. (laughs) What? It's good that you go away, Jesus? For if I do not go away, the helper, the parakletos, will not come to you. But if I go, I will send him to you. And when he comes, he will convict the world concerning sin and righteousness and judgment. Concerning sin, because they do not believe me. Concerning righteousness, because I go to the Father and you will see me no longer. Concerning judgment, because the ruler of this world is judged. I still have many things to say to you, but you cannot bear them now. When the Spirit of truth comes, he will guide you into all truth. For he will not speak on his own authority. But whatever he hears, he will speak and he will declare to you the things that are to come. He will glorify me for he will take what is mine and declare it to you. All that the father has is mine. Therefore, I said that he will take what is mine and declare it to you. We see a couple more ways that the spirit helps, comes alongside to assist us and to to help us walk with God. The first in the first half of that section is he helps by exposing sin and convicting of sin. He helps by exposing sin and convicting of sin. The idea of convicting here is that idea of being a prosecuting attorney. And the prosecuting attorney, his job is to point out exactly everything that the defendant did wrong. Exactly the sin. And and the work of the Holy Spirit is to convict us of sin. First to the world, and and that's to bring them to salvation. For those that don't know God, the Holy Spirit is still convicting of sin in their hearts to say, you need Jesus. You need a Savior. I have rarely, if all except one time, met someone that really thinks they are sinless. Yes, one time someone did, and that was a little weird. It's like, where do you go with that? (laughs) Everyone pretty much knows that they're sinners, right? We've done things that that are contrary to God's will. We've done things, and for those that don't know God, they would say, well, I've done things that are are bad, or I've done things that are contrary to the general morality, or maybe they'd use things like that. But we all know we're sinners. That's coming from the work of the Holy Spirit. And that should drive them, that should drive all of us to Jesus Christ. How do we deal with that? And the only way to deal with that is to repent 
and give our lives to Jesus because He dealt with it and He paid the price. But don't forget the Holy Spirit is still convicting when we believe. He indwells us. And when we sin and when we blow it and do things that are contrary to the will of God, the Holy Spirit's there pricking and prodding and saying, that was wrong. That was sin. And sometimes we don't listen. And when we don't listen, we usually get harder. And, and we, we put up this wall, this stone wall, well, I am right. Or no, that wasn't sin. And, and sometimes, sometimes, you know, any of you with children, sometimes your children will look at you and say, that wasn't wrong. You're wrong, Dad. Oh, yeah? <laughs> Let's talk. But the Holy Spirit is convicting of sin. And the question for us as believers is, are we open to that? Are we inviting Him to? Something scary? Ask the Holy Spirit this week, reveal sin in me. Are we serious enough about sin to say, I need to get it out of my life, so Holy Spirit, start to expose it. He will. He indwells us. It's one of the ways He's promised to help us. We want to invite Him to do that. And then respond. Respond with repentance. Respond by asking for forgiveness with brokenness. And Jesus will restore, the Holy Spirit will restore that relationship with God. Second half of that section, 12 through 15, He helps us by guiding us in the way of truth. By guiding us in the way of truth. When the Spirit of truth comes, and and we'll talk about that in a couple of weeks, He will guide you into all truth, for He will not speak of His own authority. So we'll come back to that in a couple weeks. In three chapters, those are just the various ways that Jesus says the Holy Spirit helps. Those are powerful ways. Convicting us of sin, teaching us, helping us know how to share and have the boldness to share about Jesus, knowing how to walk according to truth, that He's with us no matter what. He's giving us peace in every situation. Oh, praise God for His work. Praise God. Last week we talked about 11 different functions of the Holy Spirit. All of those also are ways that He helps us as He regenerates us and transforms us and equips us and empowers us. He guarantees our salvation. He prays for us. He's working God's plan in our lives. He has given us Scripture and the agent of inspiration of Scripture. Trying to to define how the Holy Spirit helps is sort of like trying to to count how many times you breathe today. It's just everywhere. You you can't. And, And the Holy Spirit is helping in ways we can't even understand. And we don't recognize. But I pray we start. And I mentioned at the beginning of Helper that using the name Helper for the Holy Spirit implies that we need help. And that's really the application out of this. We need help. You can go away and say, Pastor Ron said I need help. Yeah, I need help too. We need the Holy Spirit. Until we come and recognize that need and and pray and come to the Holy Spirit and say, fill that need, we're going to fill it with all kinds of things that don't work. So this week, be needy people. Need the Holy Spirit's help. Ask for His help every day and see what He does. 
I know some of you have started this this last week and you've seen the Holy Spirit work in amazing ways already. See what He does when we continue to ask Him for help with our sin, to ask Him to convict us, to ask Him to give us peace, to ask Him to help us share the Gospel, to ask Him to help us understand God's Word and see what the Holy Spirit does because He's waiting to do an incredible work in your life and in this church. He is our helper. Three other names that that really dovetail nicely into helper and we want to, to go over these today as well. The next one is Lord or Kyrios. And we've, we've talked about Lord, right? Twice already? You're like, oh no, here we go again, Lord. We're not going to spend a lot of time on it, but I want to point out that the Holy Spirit, just like God the Father, just like Jesus, is also called Lord. And if you remember, that meant master or owner. Turn to 2 Corinthians three seventeen and 18. 2 Corinthians three seventeen and 18. We read, now the Lord is the Spirit. And where the Spirit of the Lord is, there is freedom. And we all, with unveiled face, beholding the glory of the Lord, are being transformed into the same image from, from one degree of glory to another. For this comes from the Lord, who is the Spirit. And we see here, we actually see all, all elements of the Trinity here. But for the Holy Spirit, we see Him called Lord as well, Master. And the context is wanting to change us. Wanting to transform us. Wanting to make us more like Christ. And, and how many of you want to be more like Christ today? Anyone? Yeah, I would hope almost every hand. What this is saying that the agent of that is the Holy Spirit. He is the one that makes that change. For this comes from the Lord, who is the Spirit. This affirms the Holy Spirit's deity, that He's part of the Trinity, but He's also master and owner, and He wants to be master and owner of our lives. And so just like we've talked about that with God the Father and with Jesus, if we're to see change that the Holy Spirit wants to do in our lives, we've got to admit the need, but we've got to let Him be master. Let Him have control. And that's the application here is we need to give Him control. And we talked about that last week when we looked at the Ephesians passage. Do not be drunk with wine, but be filled with the Holy Spirit. He should affect our actions, not anything else. Then He can transform us. And so the Holy Spirit is helper, but He's also Lord and Master. We give Him freedom to help in any way that He desires. The third name this morning is the Spirit of His Son. The Spirit of His Son. And then we have two, the Spirit of names, the Spirit of His Son, and the Spirit of glory. And it's interesting, whenever you see the Spirit of in Scripture, whatever follows is key to understanding that name. And so the Spirit of the Son, the Son is key to understanding that name. The Spirit of glory, glory is key, because that's sort of a formula to saying that the Spirit has the same nature as, or embodies the, the, the nature and principles of this, this item or this person. And so when we see the Spirit of His Son, we're seeing that the Holy Spirit has the same nature as Jesus Christ, as the Son of God. But He's also doing a work that has to do with the Sonship of God. And we'll we'll see that here in Galatians 4, 4 through 6. Galatians 4, 4 through 6. But when the fullness of time had come, God sent forth His Son, born of a woman, born under the law, to redeem those who were under the law so that we might receive adoption as sons. 
And we see that first verse of what we celebrate at Christmas, that his son came, he was born of a woman, he came as a baby, and then he, he lived a perfect life, died on the cross for our sins, so that we could be redeemed from sin, from slavery to sin, from slavery to the law, and we can be adopted as sons. But then what does he do? say in verse 6? And we, we've got to read on. And because you are sons, God has sent the spirit of his son into our hearts, crying, Abba, Father. So you are no longer a slave, but a son. And if a son, then an heir through God. And we see that name of the Holy Spirit, the spirit of his son. And, and this is one of the times that it's used. The context here is the context of sonship, right? That God, through Jesus Christ, through the working of the Holy Spirit, has made you and I sons and daughters of the King. We have a new identity. When we come to Him, we are adopted into His family. That is an incredible, pl- an incredible statement of title, but of status and of worth. We aren't just ordinary human beings. We are sons and daughters of God. That means something. That's incredible. But it's so easy to forget. It's so easy to forget that God wants a relationship with me because how, how could God want a relationship with me? It's so easy to forget that I, I'm, I'm not just the son of Fred Johnson anymore. I'm the son of, Jesus, of, of God the Father and a co-heir with Jesus Christ. And that should change how I act. And so in verse 6, it says, And because you are sons, God has sent the Spirit of His Son into our hearts, crying, Abba, Father. And the Holy Spirit is inside us reminding us, reminding us of that relationship. And we've talked about Abba Father before, but it's a term that sometimes is translated Daddy, but that, that is almost a little bit light for it. It's a, a very intimate term, a, a term of intimate relationship, a term they still use today. And it's saying the Holy Spirit reminds us that we are close to God, that we have an intimate relationship with God. The context of Galatians is the church is struggling with legalism. They've been told, well, yeah, Christ is great, but you also have to do this. And you also have to do this. Then you're really a Christian. And Paul is writing, no, Christ is enough. If anyone adds anything to the gospel except Christ, let him be accursed. And as part of that, he says, if you've accepted Jesus Christ, you're a son and daughter of the King. You don't have to do anything else. Do we obey Jesus? Yes, but we do that because of our love for Him, not because that might get us salvation. Whole different mindset. And so this is a statement when we see the Spirit of His Son, this is a statement of relationship rather than legalism. It's that we're drawn into that same father-son relationship and we are grafted in and adopted in to that relationship. This is a beautiful name of the Holy Spirit. That says you're part of the family. And don't forget it. Romans 8, Paul talks about the same thing and he talks about the spirit of adoption, another name used for the Holy Spirit. For all who are led by the Spirit of God are sons of God. For you did not receive the spirit of slavery to fall back into fear, but you have received the spirit of adoption as sons by whom we cry, Abba, Father. The Spirit Himself bears witness with our spirit that we are the children of God. Did you catch that verse? The Spirit Himself bears witness with our spirit or tells our spirit, convinces our spirit that we are children of God. 
Because Satan wants to attack and say, you're not worthy of being a child of God. You don't need to act like a child of God. You're not really part of the family. You need to earn your salvation. And the Holy Spirit's inside saying, no, he's mine. She's mine. So part of the way the Holy Spirit helps us is to convince us we are really children of God. We are really part of the family. I think about this. Two of my kids are adopted. And, and every now and then uh, a distinction is made. Well, that, that's your real child and those are your adopted children. Oh, no. You want to you hear me? <laughs> we'll talk then. They are my children. Every one of them. All three of them. And I know sometimes, and one of mine has already started to ask sometimes about his adoption and, and what that means. And I keep reaffirming to him, you are my son. To her, you are my daughter. We love you. We chose you. That came up this week. Alicia brought up that they were adopted. And just casually in conversation, I said, you know, I'm adopted too. My brother's in the car and he looks at me. <laughs> I always tell him I'm adopted. <laughs> I wanted Alicia to hear it. I said, no, Jesus adopted me into his family. And so I'm adopted too. Those kinds of things, I'm going to get emotional. The Holy Spirit is saying, you're adopted and that's awesome. And you're part of the family of God. And Jesus and God and the Holy Spirit will never leave you. And they will never walk away from you. Because once you're family, you're family. That means something. So when we see the name, the Spirit of His Son, it's talking about family relationships. That we are sons and daughters. We are loved. We are accepted. Some other names that correspond with that. The Spirit of Jesus. The Spirit of Christ. And the Spirit of Jesus Christ. There's some... Just great riches as you look at that. And on each one, you need to look at the context and say, why was this name given here? But the Holy Spirit is God. And when we see the Spirit of Jesus, the Spirit of Christ, the Spirit of Jesus Christ, it's a reminder that He is God. Turn to Philippians 1.19. Philippians 1.19. It's the last one, the Spirit of Jesus Christ. And this ties into the spirit of glory, the next one that we're going to talk about. And I want to, I want to take these together. The spirit of Jesus Christ. Paul writes in Philippians 1.19, For I know that through your prayers and the help of the spirit of Jesus Christ, this will turn out for my deliverance. And again, notice when different names are used because that, that means some new revelation of what the Holy Spirit is doing is here. Keep in mind, Paul is in prison. He is writing this from prison. He, life is not good right now. And he says, for I know that through your prayers and the help of the Spirit of Jesus Christ, this will turn out for my deliverance. And in his darkest time, he's reminding himself that the Holy Spirit is the Spirit of Jesus who brings salvation and of Christ, Messiah, who will bring his kingdom. And so he's reminding that the Holy Spirit is, is working to bring his kingdom, to bring salvation, and his trials doesn't matter. It allows him to turn his trials to God, to still write some of the, the most precious passages of Scripture. Think about what Jesus went through. Jesus was beaten and killed, but that was part of the plan of salvation. 
And so what, what Satan intended as harm, Jesus used to bring salvation to all who, who accept. And so Paul is saying the Holy Spirit's doing the same thing in us. When we are in trials, when we don't understand what's going on, God is still working His plan. He is still working salvation. The next name, the Spirit of Glory, really ties into that. The Spirit of Glory. And a couple of implications, applications first out of, out of the Spirit of the Son. Remember that the Holy Spirit brings the work of Christ to our lives. Remember the Holy Spirit brings the work of Christ to our lives. Secondly, ask Him to help you have the mind of Jesus Christ in all things. If the Holy Spirit is the Spirit of Jesus Christ, He knows the mind of Christ. He knows how to help us. And so we need to ask Him to help us follow Christ's example like in Philippians 2.5. We need to ask Him to help us do the things that Jesus would want us to do. Act and think the way Jesus would have us act and think. And the last implication there is the same person that empowered Jesus lives in us. The same person that empowered Jesus lives in us. Batteries are included. The power is included in the Christian life through the Holy Spirit. Jumping to the Spirit of glory, which ties into this idea of of the Spirit working in trials. Turn to Philippians, just over a couple pages to Philippians 4, 13 and 14. Philippians 4, 13 and 14. But rejoice insofar as you share Christ's sufferings, that you may also rejoice and be glad when His glory is revealed. If you are insulted for the name of Christ, you are blessed because of the Spirit, because the Spirit of glory and of God rests upon you. A little bit down in verse 16, Yet if anyone suffers as a Christian, let him not be ashamed, but let him glorify God in that name. Interesting time for the spirit of glory to be used as a name. When I'm thinking of suffering, I'm thinking the spirit of deliverance, maybe. The spirit of comfort. I really like what we talked about earlier, the spirit of peace. But the spirit of glory is used by Paul here. And and verse 13 has the key for understanding this name of the Holy Spirit. But rejoice insofar as you share Christ's sufferings, that you may also rejoice and be glad when his glory is revealed. And so Paul is saying, when you're going through it, when you're going through the dark times, when you're going through things you don't understand, trials that you don't even know if you can bear up under, remember two things. You're sharing in Christ's suffering, but God's glory is going to be revealed through it. God is doing something bigger. And so then he goes on, if you're insulted in that word, when we think insulted, we think, you know, some, some silly little kid insults, Right? That word for them, it was reviled, slandered, and abused. This was far more than insults. If you're reviled, slandered, or abused for the name of Christ, you are blessed. It's a great thing. Because the Spirit of glory and of God rests upon you. And a couple things we see out of that verse. Number one, we see the presence of the Spirit through trials. Rests upon you. He's with you. And the second thing is we see, like I said, the bigger purpose of His glory. When we think spirit of glory, we think whatever I'm going through is going to be used by God in some way. He's not going to waste this. 
He's not going to let me go through this arbitrarily and do nothing with it. He is going to use this. This is what gives us the ability to glorify God in difficult times. This is what gives us the ability to endure because the Holy Spirit, the helper, is helping us endure. We may not even see how God uses it, but He will use it because He's the Spirit of glory. And all things are for His glory. The application there is we need to endure trials without complaining or without giving up, knowing God can use it if we glorify Him. I know, a whole sentence for a point. Endure trials without complaining or giving up, knowing God can use it if we glorify Him. I'd like to end by a story of a, from a, another pastor who was talking about a longtime elder in his church who was taken to a, the hospital to clear a stint. And the procedure was invasive, and, and sometime into the procedure, the surgeon came out and let the family know he couldn't go on because there was too much bleeding. He said, you'd better get your whole family here. He may not make it through the night. So all the children were rushed to his bedside where they gathered weeping and saying their goodbyes. And the elder, he had just come out of anesthesia and he was in intense pain, barely able to speak, but he was watching his family and seeing their distress. He, he made a motion with his finger and they finally understood he was asking for a pin. He, he, finally, he, he finally took the pin And very slowly and deliberately, he wrote 12 words in a single column. For to me, to live is Christ, and to die is gain. And he's glorifying God through the most intense trouble. At the bottom of the column, he wrote, Hallelujah. Give praise to God. The writing of the last word took a full minute. He could barely get it down. And then he spoke in a whisper, nothing has changed. Nothing has changed. He knew who his helper was. He knew who the spirit of glory was. And he was determined, even as his last words, to give glory to God. That's what the spirit of glory allows us to do. No matter what we're going through, to say, I will glorify God in this. Some here today, you're going through some tough things. And God hasn't promised to take those away. But he's promised to use them for his glory. So glorify God and be part of the bigger story. See what God does. The Holy Spirit is our helper. He's our helper. And I end with just a couple of questions. How can I express this week my need for a helper? And what worries do I need to trust to the helper? Let's pray. Lord God, I praise you for a helper. That we don't have to do this alone. That we don't have to figure out how to walk with you alone and figure out what your word says. But you are here to guide. You are here to help in every step. Thank you for reminding us we are sons and daughters of a king. That we are adopted. And as family... You are here to help. Lord, this week, reveal reveal to us ways that we need you. Challenge us, God, to seek your help, to seek your guidance, to seek your conviction. Lord, convict us of trying to live on our own, under our own strength, 
and do things our own way. As we see you convict and help and bring transformation, Lord, we are excited to see what you do in each of us and in our church. Thank you, Holy Spirit, for your work. In Jesus' name, amen.